And now we are going to taste and see something a little special, a little from south of the border, Mexico. Um, we have a, a gift. Ben and Hannah have been with us just for a, a brief few weeks here, trying to figure out their visa issue <laughs> again. And uh, they can give you some, some more update on that. But uh, since they're going back this week, we wanted to get a chance to hear from them before they leave us again. And we send them off again. So uh, Ben and Hannah, come on up. And, uh, and their families here as well. Bless you guys. And um, yeah. Okay, so good morning, everybody. Um, I, uh, Ben's going to bring the word. And, but I just want to give a little bit of a, a personal update and fill you all in. Um, many of you, for, just to say thank you, first of all, many of you have reached out to us um, in this season, especially with some of our difficulty with um, visas, and let us know that you've been praying. And uh, we cannot express enough how much it means to get even just that one-liner, hey, we're praying, and, and to feel that we're helping your hearts and, and that we're on your minds and um, really, really just deeply, deeply thankful for that connection. And so thank you for your support and your prayers and your love expressed to us um, means the world. So um, just wanted to give you a little bit of an update for those curious. Um, as Pastor Steve mentioned, we are going home without residency visas in hand, um, but the Lord is faithful and we know that he has a plan. And uh, we don't know what it is, but, <laughs> but, uh, but we're, we're thankful for the assurance of his wisdom and his goodness, his strength. Um, and something that <clears throat> the Lord has been speaking to me about, I just wanted to share with you, um, is the confidence that we're meant to have in the Lord. And uh, when we found out again this time that we weren't going to get our residency, um, I just had this huge disappointment reaction. I mean, disproportionate. <laughs> you know, just this feeling of, oh, it must be, everything is wrong and nothing is right and things aren't going to work out. And, you know, just kind of struggling through that. And, um, and the Lord started talking to me about idolatry. And I thought, what's that got to do with anything? <laughs> Um, but where we are in Oaxaca, there's a very famous um, idol called the Virgin of Juquila, and she's located close to where we are. Um, and the, her deal is that there's a huge pilgrimage to go see her um, some weeks of the year, and all throughout the year we see pilgrims going by to go visit her. And um, the deal with her is that if you get a little bit of clay and you uh, shape it into the thing you want and place it before her, then she's going to grant your wish. And I realized that I've been putting visas into a little clay form and putting it. And I've made that an idol. And, um, you know, sometimes we think about idols as something that we really love, right? Something we worship, right? Something like, oh, money or, you know, fame or whatever. Um, but the truth is an idol is anything, anything, anything that we elevate before the Lord God, the Lord of hosts, Jesus Christ, the Messiah. He has the name at which every knee bows. And no consul, no visa, no struggle, no nothing should take the place of God in my heart. And so that's um, just an encouragement to you. That's the first command is you'll have no other God before me. And that's really a command of love because we put our hope in anything else and we're going to be deeply disappointed. 
But our hope is in God. And to think, well, residency visas, yeah, it, they'll come. It'll be nice. But his work is not stopped. And our worship will not stop. And we um, are making the choice not to elevate anything before God in our hearts. And so that's been a recalibrate for me. Um, and so I just want to encourage that, encourage you guys with that. And um, thank you again for your prayers. And we covet them. And we've been sending out prayers for visas. But more than anything, I want to update our prayer requests to um, pray that our hearts would stay focused on what's important. And that um, as we follow Jesus and as we honor him above everything else, trusting and knowing. You know, the psalmist says that, why are you so downcast, O oh my soul? That's a question I've been asking myself over the last couple of weeks. And then he says, put your hope in God. We must not put our hope in anything else. My soul has been downcast. He's helping me to put my hope in God, to make him truly king, to make him truly God, the first and foremost. And um, so, yeah, I just wanted to share that. And, and thank you so much for your support and for praying. We love you. And, um, you know, we'll see you sometime again within the next six months. So <laughs> that's a blessing. <laughs> All right. Yes. Um, so it's a, kind of a special day for, for us. It was 2010. Uh, the day before Memorial Day, 2010, we had our send-off service from uh, Rochester, New York, and we started our journey to Minnesota. So we came here in 2010. Uh, it was a, a perfect setting for us and our family. Uh, perfect. Uh, it was. It was a. We stepped into an awesome season for our family, an awesome season for our for the youth group and the youth ministry and stepped into an awesome season here at Bethel. We loved our time here. We loved serving here. It was such an honor and a privilege. Uh, God's kind of prepared us for the next season. Uh, we stepped into working down in southern Mexico. Uh, southern Mexico, the state of Oaxaca, is 65% indigenous peoples. Um, in the, the missions base we're working, we're working at, uh, they've reached four major tribes. Uh, within the state of Oaxaca, there's, a, uh, there's 16 major tribes with uh, 155 different languages and dialects. And they're very hard to reach and hard to get to and hard to, and part of what we're doing is we're on a missions base that's reaching and training and equipping young people to, to, to reach those places. So we're uh, honored and privileged and it felt like our time here at Bethel uh, has really prepared us for being multicultural. It's prepared us for the next season. It's prepared us for uh, how God wants to use us and uh, give vision to not just, we're just reaching Oaxaca, but we're going to reach the nations. Uh, we believe that the, the state of Oaxaca and the, where we're at in Mexico and, the, and raising up these, these young people, we're, we're going to see them go into the nations. We believe that. And they're going to go places we can't. So, 
it's been a, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, it's also been challenging. It's people keep saying, well, "How's Mexico?" And I'm like, "Great." <laughs> when honestly, it's we're still in this place of transition. We're still in a place of we love it and we hate it. I don't know if that makes sense, but we're 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 in this place of this is still our home. Or feel the connections with you guys. Feel the connections and relationships here. And now we're in a new new culture, new language, new everything. And can't even communicate with you. Uh, there's there's all the challenges of, of cross-cultural ministry, and it's it's feel like Bethel has prepared us for that. Uh, so I just want to say thank you, thank you, Bethel, thank you for uh, supporting us and sending us and being on the journey with us this last year. Uh, yeah, it was hard for everyone. Uh, my mom and my sister and. My sister's family is here this morning. Uh, they, they've uh, gone through quite a bit too. My mom, well, we lost dad this year. Um, but I was grateful that I got to spend some time with him. Uh, grateful that I got to spend time with him before he passed. Got to come and hang out with him and hear his heart and hear his he was excited to be with Jesus. He was excited to go home. Excited to see his mom and dad. Excited to see old friends. Excited to... So it was, it was cool. I got the privilege of... Uh, right before he passed, I got the privilege of baptizing him. It's amazing. Um, he had gotten baptized when he was 12 years old or something. And felt like he wanted... His time was ending, his time was coming near, and he felt like he wanted to express to the world what was going on internally. <clears throat> so, in, in sitting down with, <clears throat> excuse me, sitting down with my dad and talking to my dad and talking about when, when you have end-of-life stuff going on and you have, like, death is near, uh, what's really important all of a sudden comes to the surface. What really matters comes to the surface. What, you know, there was times where we talked about nothing, but most of the time we were talking, when, when death is near, you talk about real stuff. Some of the real stuff he was talking to me about was the battle of the mind. And how we, uh, we have a, there's a war in our, in our mind. There's a war for the mind, us taking hold of the mind of Christ. There's a battle in our, in our mind. There's a war. There's a war in our, in our mind. Paul said it in, in uh, Roman, Romans chapter 7. He said, what is going on with this mind? Mine. What do I do with this mind? And his conclusion to his mind was, what a wretched man that I am. Who can save me from this mind? He says, thanks be to our Lord Jesus. There's a, the, here's, the, here's the three points of the sermon. One, we're, we're in a battle. There is a battle in our mind. Amen? There is, right? There's a real war. Number two, we need to be renewed in our mind. Pastor Andrews talked about last week 
the hyperactive grace of God renewing our mind. It was a good message. You should look it up on the internet if you haven't heard it. It was, it was good. Thanks, Andrew. <laughs> we, our mind needs to be renewed. Number three, we need to receive the mind of Christ. Um, so there's a battle in our mind. Uh, Isaiah, Isaiah 55 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are, you, are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As high as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. His, his thoughts. We, we need to grab hold of the, the, the mind of Christ. You know, uh, Psalm 139 says it like this, How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. Uh, New, New Living Translation says, How precious to me are your thoughts towards me, O God. How vast the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. Are you able to say how precious to me are your thoughts, oh God? How precious to me are your thoughts, oh God? So I think often, a lot of times what happens, it's, it's our thoughts that are driving things. It's our thoughts, it's our mindsets, it's our mind mentalities, it's our strongholds, it's our, it's our, it's our mind that's driving everything. And we never take time to actually say, uh, your, your thoughts is what's precious to me. We get so caught up in the internet and caught up in the news and caught up in conspiracy theories and this thing and that thing, and we get, we get messed up in our mind and messed up in our thinking, and, and God's saying, I want you to stop and take time, and I want you to listen to my thoughts. And I want you to hear my thoughts. I want you to hear my words. I want you to hear the way I think. <clears throat> How precious to me are your thoughts. I, I need to stop and take time and unplug and get away and say, God, I need your thoughts. I want to I be in a place where I'm stopping and saying, God, your thoughts are precious. If God's thoughts are not precious to you, you're never going to stop what you're doing to actually grab hold of them. You're going to get sidetracked by everything else that's going on. You're going to get sidetracked by a million other things. Get stuck in a consulate in Austin, Texas. and <laughs> Lord, I need your thoughts right now. <laughs> Matthew chapter 9. As it's a very familiar passage here. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in the synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing the, every sickness and disease. So Jesus was doing three, three things in ministry. He was, he was preaching, he was teaching, and he was healing, healing sicknesses and diseases. Uh, I don't know anybody who could preach or teach better than Jesus. I don't know anybody who 
saw more and better healings than Jesus, right? And, and Jesus is doing those things. We would look at somebody that's preaching powerfully, somebody that's teaching really, I mean, talk about theologically sound, right? Nobody teaches better than Jesus. He's the word. He's healing every kind of sickness and disease. All kinds of them. We would, we would look at that situation and say, that is super powerful, successful ministry. Wouldn't we? We'd say that's, that's uh, very effective. Right? We'd say, does it get any better than this? Yet in the midst of that, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest there to afford to send out workers to his harvest field. So in the midst of powerful, exciting, amazing ministry of healing and teaching and preaching and signs and wonders and all kinds of stuff, Jesus is still having compassion on people and saying they're harassed and helpless, they're lost, their, their minds are gone, right? They're harassed and helpless, and he's had compassion on them. And he says, you know what? He turns to his disciples, he says, look, look at all these people, messed up people. Their messed up situations, their harassed and helpless situations. Their, uh, anybody seen any harassed and helpless people lately? Anybody ever seen some other translations say confused and, and helpless, weary and scattered, confused and aimless? Anybody seen groups of people like that recently? Jesus looked at that group of people with compassion. And he said, you know what, the mess in their life and the stuff they're going through and the, the harass and helplessness that they're going through has actually incubated and made ready harvest. Has actually made their heart ready to receive what I have for them. Has made their heart ready to receive the kingdom. Has made their heart ready to receive the word of truth. You see harassed and helpless people all around. People that are aimless, people that are scattered, people that are weary. Anybody weary? I don't know about you, but when I see a group of people that are harassed and helpless, I don't get moved by compassion. My heart is usually, do something with your life. Go get a job. What's wrong with you? You know, we, we have all these, we, we put people in boxes and we put people, I want God's thoughts toward people. And if we're going to have the mind of Christ, the mind of Christ is always people. It's always people. His heart and his mind is always on people. I think the, another thing this passage speaks of, you know, the heart and the purpose and reason for pastors and shepherds and discipleship. It says Jesus was 
preaching and teaching and healing all kinds of sickness and disease, yet these, this crowd of people is like sheep without a shepherd. He's saying discipleship is important. They need somebody that, that's going to follow through with them. They need somebody that's going to walk this out with them. They need somebody that's going to do life with them. It's making sense? I want God's heart. I want God's heart for people. I want his perspective. It's so easy to see people and groups of people and even individuals and not have God's heart for them. We need to be renewed in our mind. Colossians 1, 21, You were far, once far away, enemies of God, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Evil thoughts. You know what goes on in your mind can actually separate you from God? Jesus came to break that, break the things going on in our mind. Romans 7 talked about the war in the mind. Romans 12, 1 and 2, renew our mind. Don't be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And there's times, all of us, our mind is a mess. It's not just a mental health issue. There's times all of us, our mind is a mess. And I thank God for mental health professionals. I thank God for people that are doing it, people that are walking with, with others. I, I thank God for people that are walking through the journey of getting their mind right. I think part of being renewed in our mind is the Holy Spirit coming in and taking control of our mind. I think, uh, you, you know, we can talk about the, 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 the moment that the Holy Spirit comes and, 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 and impacts somebody's life, and impacts their, their mind and their thinking and their, the way they live. I uh, talked about it as if it was like winning the lottery. Uh, people that win the lottery, oftentimes, it's like 75% of them within three to five years declare, declare bankruptcy, and they're worse off than they were before. Uh, and, and they, and they, uh, their life is a mess because they've been isolated and alone. They've had to tell people no because everybody wants a piece of their money. They've had to. to constantly tell people get away they've had to uh, they deal with suicide and depression and all kinds of stuff it's it's a mess and they're worse off than when they had it before uh, I think what can happen what can happen spiritually is we have this amazing moment with the Holy Spirit we have this amazing aha moment or this amazing woo I just won the lottery spiritually speaking but there's not anyone to actually help us follow through or help us walk it out or help us. So you've got these people that have no idea how to take care of money, no idea how to take care of finances, no idea 
how to take care of a checkbook, no, no idea, and all of a sudden they get a whole bunch of money and they still have no idea. Right? And it can be the same way spiritually. We have no idea how to live our Christian walk. We have no idea how to live our Christian life. We all, all of a sudden have this amazing moment with the Lord. We get saved, we get filled with the Holy Spirit, and we have no idea how to walk it out. We have no idea, we have nobody speaking in our life helping us walk it out. We have no, nobody in our life helping us walk it out on a day-to-day -day basis. And we can three to five years be spiritually bankrupt. Don't want to be the lottery. Yet, at the same time, the Bible is very clear. It speaks of a moment when the Holy Spirit would come and reach people and touch people. When the whole, last week we celebrated Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came, we, we see throughout Scripture that the Holy, throughout the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was, came on certain people at certain times to accomplish certain things. Gave them the ability to, to, to lead, gave them the ability to, to defeat enemies, it gave them the ability to uh, play stringed instruments and whatever, you know? Uh, it, it gave them ability at certain times to accomplish certain things. Joel comes along and he says, somebody's, the Holy Spirit is going to come and, and there's going to come a time when the Holy Spirit is not just going to be for one or two people, it's going to be for everybody. It's not just going to come and show up occasionally. It's going to be for everybody. Your sons and daughters and those are, are going to see visions. Your old men are dream dreams. Your he makes this promise, Ezekiel comes along and he says, I'm, I'm going to give you a new heart and a new spirit. I'm going to take out your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Then, then John the Baptist comes along. He says, I baptize you unto repentance. Somebody's coming who's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Jesus comes along. He's baptized in the river. He gets up and suddenly a, a, a dove comes down on him baptized in the Holy Spirit. He gets up and he says, the, the, the Spirit is upon me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the captives. He, he, he kind of gives the, a description, uh, John 14, 15, 16. He gives a description of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's going to comfort. He's going to counsel. He's going to teach. He's going to rebuke. He's going to correct. He's going to... Uh, he's going to be with you. Comforter is the one that keeps coming up over and over. He says, but I'm leaving so that something better can come. I want you to just think for a moment. You've been hanging out with Jesus for three years. You've been seeing all kinds of miracles. You've been seeing all kinds of crazy signs and wonders. You've been seeing all kinds of amazing things. And Jesus says, I'm going away so something better can come. In our natural mind, that wouldn't make sense. If we're not seeing things through, through God's eyes, we don't have the mind of Christ, we don't uh, understand it, it's not going to make sense to us. He leaves. Uh, he's dead, buried, resurrected. He's hanging out with his disciples for 40 days. He spends time talking about the kingdom with them. Then he ascends to heaven. He says, wait here for the promise of the Holy Spirit. 
The Holy Spirit comes powerfully 10 days later. They're waiting. Uh, Acts 2, 38 and 39, repent, be baptized, and receive the Holy Spirit is the gist of it. And then you look what happens in Acts 4. It says the place where they were praying was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God boldly. Acts chapter, Acts chapter 8 talks about Philip and Peter and John praying over, the, praying, over, praying over people to receive the Holy Spirit. Same pattern. Gentiles in Acts chapter 10, same thing. Well, uh, same thing in Ephesus chapter 19. Uh, Acts chapter 19 in Ephesus with the Ephesian elders. Uh, Paul comes to them and says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when, when, you, when you first believed, when you got baptized? And they were like, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. I want you to know that was 25 years after Pentecost. 25 years later, Paul, the one who's written a third of the New Testament, is saying, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So he's, he's, he's saying here, like, there's something else that has to happen in us. Something else that has, it's not just about believe, be baptized. He's saying there's, there's something else that has to happen, and we see it. In First uh, Corinthians 14, 14, it says, it says this. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. Now, listen what it says. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. Indeed, no one understands him. He utters mysteries with his spirit. But everyone who prophesies speaks to men when they're... When it, uh, speaks to men for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. Uh, what's happened over time is people have made this distinction of like, they've kind of put, Paul is, is, is saying, don't speak in tongues, don't pray in the Spirit, only prophesy. And it's not what he's saying here. He's, he's saying, follow the way of love, eagerly desire, spiritual, eagerly desire spiritual gifts. Do you want spiritual gifts? The scripture is telling us to eagerly desire it. Not be afraid of it. Not run away. He's saying eagerly desire it. He's saying, for anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. Now, it's not talking about 1 Corinthians 12, talks about the gift of tongues, which is... In, in a setting where it's a message from God to the congregation, it needs to be interpreted. This is talking about something different. He says it's a, it's, it's a message from man to God. You see that there? 
Anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. Indeed, no one understands him. He utters mysteries with his spirit. Utters mysteries with his spirit. Everyone who prophesies speaks to men, and they're strengthening encouragement and comfort. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. He who prophesies edifies the church. He's basically making a distinction of he who prays in the spirit or prays in tongues or prays, prays with the spirit strengthens himself. He who prophesies is strengthening the church. He's saying what you're doing in private, he who reads your, when you read your Bible in private, you're strengthening yourself. When you read your Bible publicly, you're strengthening believers. I don't know about you, but I need encouragement. My mind needs encouragement. My heart needs encouragement. I need to be built up. My faith needs to be strengthened. My heart needs to be strengthened. My, my mind needs to be renewed. Part of our renewing our mind is praying in the Spirit. Part of renewing our mind is I need to be edified. I need to be strengthened. I need to be built up. Does anybody have all the building up you could handle? We need building up in this world. We need to be strengthened. We need to be edified. We need to be encouraged. Should not be a, a, a one or a, the other. Or He's saying eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. It's, and he's saying the, the, the prayer language and praying in the spirit and praying is, is just a yielding yourself to the Lord and it's, it's your spirit man praying, not your, not your mind and your intellect. That's where we get stuck sometimes. You're only praying with your mind. You're only praying with your intellect. You're only praying. And that's part of the war that's going on. The flesh and the spirit are at war. Several other scriptures talk about building yourself up in your faith. Building yourself up and praying in the spirit. Ephesians, Jude 20. Uh, Ephesians 5.26, there, there's several scriptures that talk about building yourself up in your faith. Now I know living out the, the spiritual, your spiritual walk, your spiritual life is an ongoing journey. It's up and down. It's, it's a mess sometimes. But we can't do it apart from being strengthened and encouraged in the Holy Spirit. And I can tell you, I was 13 years old at a summer camp. I was kind of going through a season where it was very difficult. Lost one of my best friends in a car accident. I was in a season where things didn't make sense. I was in a season where I thought Christianity, this whole church thing, is whatever. When I was at summer camp, 13 years old, and God met me. God came and met me very powerfully. I remember 
the speaker laid hands on me, prayed for me, prophesied over me. I still have a copy of that prophecy. Tell you, 28 years later, that one moment still affecting my life. 28 years later, that moment at the altar where the Holy Spirit touched me, where the Holy Spirit filled me. I know it wouldn't be a youth pastor if that moment didn't happen. I know it wouldn't be a, probably be a missionary if that moment didn't happen. Because there was something that happened. When, when that took place, something shifted in my mind. Something shifted in my heart toward people. Something shifted in the way I saw the world. Something shifted in, in the way uh, I, I suddenly started at 13 years old saying, like, I'm going to be a pastor someday. 13 years old, felt, I, I felt the Holy Spirit begin to change and shift. And I thank God for that moment. I also thank God for the, the people that have come alongside me along the way and the people that have challenged me and the people that have poured into me and the people that have been on the journey with me. It's not an either or, it's a both and. We need to have the moment. We need to have the moment where the Holy Spirit comes and breaks in and touches our heart and our mind and our life. Lord, we don't want to be part of the crowd that's weary and scattered and confused and aimless and helpless and hopeless and Lord we know there's a war in our mind we know there's a battle in our mind Jesus we pray that you would come and help us Lord, for those of us that have been scared about this Holy Spirit thing and what this means and Lord, that how the enemy comes and brings fear. Lord, I pray for each one that in their daily walk, in their daily quiet time, in their daily walk with you, God, that you would be speaking to them. Lord, that their spirit, spirit, would be praying to you. Their spirit would be uttering mysteries to you, God. Their spirit would be communicating with you. Lord, for those that their spirit is dead, their spirit is not alive, we pray for your Holy Spirit to come and fill. Jesus, for those of us that are, are struggling in our mind, and there's a battle in our mind, and there's things that don't make sense, and there's things that we wrestle with and struggle with and doubts and insecurities and, and things that are going on in our mind. God, I pray that you would come and, and steal, still our mind. I pray that you would come and, and wash us, wash our mind, wash our mind with the renewing of the word, God, that you would come and renew our mind. Renew our mind. Lord Jesus, I, I, I pray for that for each one. Lord, in their quiet time, they'd be, you would give them a heart and a desire for everything you have for them. You give each one of us 
everything we need. Give each one of us everything we need to live a victorious Christian life. In Jesus' name.